all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this sermon is entitled, The Mystery of the Trinity, for a reason. And the reason is that the Trinity is a mystery. Mystery is something that has not been revealed to us or fully revealed to us, something which we cannot fully comprehend with our finite mind. And so right here at the beginning of the sermon, I want you to know that I am not attempting to explain the mystery of the Trinity, so that you completely understand it. That would be a futile exercise and a misleading one. And if you walked out of the sanctuary today and said, oh, well, now I get it. The Trinity is no longer a mystery to me. Then I would have done you a great disservice and you would be greatly deceived. So we're not trying to figure it out. Now, I will give you some illustrations to try to open up some windows of insight or ways of thinking about the Trinity to help you meditate on the mystery of the Trinity. But beware, each and every one of the illustrations that I give you will break down and fail at some critical point. Because there's nothing in this created universe, there's nothing in our experience which can perfectly illustrate the mystery of the Trinity. So we're not going to wrap it up with a nice and neat little illustration. But It's important that we search the Scriptures and learn what God's Word says about the nature of His being. In as much as we can glean from the Scriptures, because it really does matter. It does matter. And it matters personally to you and for you because the gospel of your salvation is bound up within the mystery of the Trinity. All right, ready? Here we go. First of all, the doctrine of the Trinity is absolutely foundational and essential to the historic biblical Christian faith. It is a non-negotiable of true Christianity. From early church history to the present in the worldwide church of Jesus Christ, whether Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or Protestant, the doctrine of the Trinity has been and is taught as an essential and necessary doctrine that all Christians in all times, in all places, have believed as an essential article of the faith once delivered for all to the saints. The doctrine of the Trinity distinguishes true Christianity from not only from modern Judaism and Islam, but also from the cults and the sects, the heretical movements, which deny either the divine nature of Jesus Christ or the divine personhood of the Holy Spirit. Now, I said earlier, the Christian gospel of your salvation rests upon and flows out of the eternal reality of the Trinity. Without the reality of the Trinity, the infinite and eternal uncreated Creator would be unknown and unknowable. Aloof, arbitrary, impersonal, 
such as Allah of Islam or the unmoved mover, the watchmaker of the deists. Without the reality of the Trinity, there could be no assurance that in the essence of His eternal being, God is love. Or that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Because without the reality of the Trinity, there would be no only begotten Son whom God the Father sent into the world to save sinners. And therefore, without the reality of the Trinity, we would have no assurance that God Himself has done everything necessary for our salvation, satisfying His own divine justice against our sins, swallowing up death for us in His own eternal being. And out of that death, bringing forth new and eternal life through the resurrection of His Son. Without the reality of the Trinity, there would be no personal Holy Spirit who with divine authority and power gives us new birth from above, who personally unites us to Jesus Christ in a saving spiritual bond of faith and adopts us into the household as children of God. The assurance of our salvation depends upon the reality of the three persons of the Trinity working in a perfect unity for our salvation. What is the doctrine of the Trinity? We believe with Christians throughout history and throughout the world, there is only one God. Not three separate gods, as in pagan polytheism. One God who has eternally existed in a perfect unity of divine persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, don't try to figure that out. But let's just look at this, a few scriptures. Both the Old and the New Testaments teach us that there is only one true and living God. The very first sentence of the Bible makes that perfectly clear. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But in verse 2, the very next verse, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the first two verses of the Bible, there is a distinction between God, as it were, in and of Himself, and the Spirit of God. Now the creed of Old Testament Israel affirmed the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But in that beautiful benediction from Numbers chapter 6, there is a threefold usage of the name of the one Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious unto you and make His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. A threefold usage of the name of the Lord indicating a plurality in His being. The threefold ascription of praise which the angelic beings continually cry out before the throne of God points to the triune nature of the Holy One. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so we sing with them. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Now the point here is that the doctrine of the Trinity is not an innovation. It's not something new that comes only in the New Testament. The Old Testament itself reveals that there is a plurality in God. Here's another Example, in Genesis 1, God says, 
Let us make humanity in our image. And then the scripture says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, in that very important passage, we read of both God's plurality. Let us make man in our image. And of God's singularity. So God created man in his own image. Well, there it is. Plurality and singularity in unity. Now, when we think about it, there's a sense in which the Trinity is reflected in us, in human nature, because we are created in the image of the triune God. So consider, for example, the fact that you talk to yourself. This is really an amazing thing if you stop and think about it. But when you talk to yourself and when you argue with yourself, which you is doing the talking and which you is doing the listening? But there is only one you, isn't there? Now, you see, to yourself and have a relationship with yourself, your ability to know yourself, to have feelings about yourself and thoughts about those feelings. You see, this self-reflective capacity you have comes from having been created in the image of the triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live in a personal, reciprocating relationship with one another. They know one another perfectly. They talk to one another. They love one another. They think each other's thoughts. And they are of one mind, if we may say in that way. Your human capacity to interact with yourself reflects the mystery of the Trinity. Now, the analogy breaks down and fails precisely because we are not a perfect unity. Sometimes I have a divided heart, or I'm double-minded, or as we say, my heart says one thing, but my mind says another. And so I am torn between two or more desires. My spirit may be willing, but my flesh is weak. Due to our fallen condition and due to the really the finite limits of our knowledge and power, we cannot know all things perfectly. We don't even know ourselves perfectly. We all have this kind of split personality. And so there's this inner conflict and tension. But you see, there's no no split personality within the triune God. There's no frustration. There's no argument. There's no division. There's no, on the one hand, this, and on the other hand, that. 
there is perfect unity, perfect harmony, perfect happiness in the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, the opening verses of the Gospel of John reveal to us the eternally divine nature of the second person of the Trinity. John says it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The second person of the Trinity, the Word, was with God and was God. Distinguishable from God the Father, but equally God in divine nature. And the Word, the eternal Son of the Father, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us. In the account of Jesus' baptism from Matthew 3, all three persons of the Trinity are present. God the Father speaks from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Son of God begins His ministry as the Savior of sinners. And the Holy Spirit empowers him, descending upon him like a dove. All are present at Jesus' baptism, and all three persons of the Trinity would continue to be present and to be at work in and through the life and ministry of Jesus for the salvation of sinners. And likewise, the Holy Spirit is revealed to be a divine person, equal in power and glory with the Father and the Son. And one of the most powerful evidences of this is found in Acts chapter 5, which records God's judgment upon a man named Ananias because of his deceitfulness. He was struck dead because he told a lie about his financial stewardship, by the way. But the apostle Peter first said to Ananias, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in the next breath said, you have lied not to men but to God. And so the Holy Spirit was clearly equated with and identified as God. He, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal power like electricity. The Holy Spirit is a divine person with divine authority. Jesus referred to Him, not it, as the helper, the counselor, the one who would come alongside as teacher, whose power would be at work within and through believers. The Holy Spirit is no less than the eternal God through Jesus Christ present and within his believing people. Now, remember what I said at the beginning. We're not trying to figure it out. It's most important to bow before the holy mystery of the Holy Trinity and no perfect way to explain or illustrate it. But yet there's some, there's some little Maybe some helps, maybe, that we could consider. For example, consider the sun, the S-U-N, the sun in the sky, the gas ball in the sky. Now, you can't imagine the sun without the light of the sun, can you? It's a contradiction in terms. And um, you can't imagine the sun without the heat of the sun. You, you can't do it. We can make a conceptual distinction. We can think about the sun being the, the star in our system. Then we can think about the light that comes from the sun. And then we can think about the heat. 
that comes from the sun and the light of the sun. We can make those conceptual distinctions, but we, you could never have one without the other, right? The sun generates light. It has always generated light. And you cannot separate the light of the sun from the sun itself. And the light of the sun generates heat. It has always generated heat. and You can't separate the heat from the light. And likewise, we can make distinctions between the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we can't, the reality of the Trinity is that you can't have one person of the Trinity without the other two. They, they are distinguishable but not separable from one another. Now, the analogy breaks down and it fails at this critical point for this reason. The sun and the sunlight and the heat of the sun are impersonal, non-living entities bound together by chemical reactions. They do not know one another. They do not love one another. They do not work together to accomplish a unified purpose. The sun, the sunlight, and the heat of the sun have no will. They have no wisdom. They have no joy. But the true and living triune God is a living, personal, purposeful God whose very nature it is to enjoy personal, loving fellowship and communion. The Trinity is a fellowship of love. How do we know that God is love? The only way that we know that God is love is that Scripture reveals that from all eternity, without beginning, from the depths of eternal eternity, God the Father has loved His eternal Son, and His eternal Son has loved the eternal Father. And this eternal love is communicated through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Trinity is, is like this ever-flowing wellspring, fountain of love and joy and happiness expressed in this personal, these the personal relationships of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and it's out of this eternal wellspring, this fountain of love and peace and joy, that God's love, His triune love, overflows into the world. And that's where the gospel comes in. The gospel of God's love in Christ is the gospel of the love of the triune God overflowing out of eternity into the world for the salvation of sinners. God the Father sent His Son into the world that the world might be saved through Him. God the Son took upon Himself a human nature, born of woman, flesh and blood, to live for us, to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins for us, and then to rise for us as our Savior over death and hell, to reign for us forever. God the Father and God the Son send forth God the Holy Spirit so that today dead sinners may be born again and given new life with the blood of Christ applied to them for the cleansing of their sins, adopted through the Spirit as children of the Father. In His rich mercy, God the Father decreed our salvation by His grace. In His love, God the Son purchased our salvation on the cross. In His power, God the Holy Spirit seals our salvation 
and preserves us in faith to the end. So that we might be assured of our eternal salvation. So, may we sing and may we truly sing all our days, forever and ever and ever. Not only with our lips, but with our lives. Lives of true faith. May we sing the song of the angels. Song of the triumphant saints in heaven. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word of truth and the glorious gospel of your Son and the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would grant us grace so that your word might work in our hearts, renew our minds, and strengthen our souls that we might live as your people upon the earth. Through the saving grace and mercy of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.